Hello and welcome into the Week 11 Waiver Wire Show. I am joined here by Axton Harden. Missed, missed you last week, man. Uh, had Brandon Hay obviously fill in last week. We have a lot of great names to be diving into today. It might be Week 11, but there's still some pickups that I think I think we're all excited to be excited to be talking about because, listen, unfortunately there are injuries. Unfortunately there are buys. Unfortunately things haven't worked out as we thought, but there are still options that we we're, we're going to get you to that championship still. How are you doing, Axon? I'm doing all right. I think, like we talked about before the show, it's taking it day by day, staying busy, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, we got Thanksgiving around the corner. Everything's about to get a little mm. bit crazy, uh, especially in the football escape. You know, we got a lot of games coming up. I mean, we're getting through those bye weeks. So all of a sudden, everything's starting to get towards that final push, the final trade deadlines of all your leagues. But before, obviously, all that happens, we're going to get into the waiver wire pickups. Before we do that, Want to make sure that you are following the IDP guys on Twitter as well subscribed on YouTube where you're probably watching right now. That is, you know, where all of our content comes out. It's where on YouTube a ton of sh- uh, short form content comes out, long form content comes out. Whatever you want in terms of the way you ingest your fantasy content, there's a way for it there as well as on the website at idpguys.org. And of course, you can check out our Twitters at Michael underscore underscore Scully for myself and at Harding underscore three for Axton here. So. Let us jump into it because we got to talk about the defensive alignment of this group. It is interesting this week. We've been we've been pretty. I think we've been pretty good the last few weeks. Last week I called out for the Raiders D line to expose the Colts. They did not do that, so that was a little bit disappointing. But Javon Hargrave had a big day, thirteen tackles and a sack. Justin Houston was on by, so hopefully he continues that good form this coming week. And we brought up Draymond Jones, who only had two assist tackles and QB hit. So it got close to it, just didn't get the job done um, in true Denver fashion this year. So let's try to get back on track. Uh, Lorenzo Carter is the name I want to start off with. That is the Atlanta linebacker slash edge. I am uh, much more interested in him if he is listed as a defensive lineman, which he is on MFL. He is not listed as such on um not listed as that on sleep i believe not on sleeper but uh on yahoo he's listed as a linebacker so this is more so for ways as a defensive lineman like mfl he's been very steady tackle for a loss uh with grabbing a few tackles along the way it's typically around that four tackles and a tfl he has the bears this coming week which screams keeping up the exact same thing of a solid like eight to ten point floor with a much higher ceiling because he's also getting to the quarterback he's fifth in qb pressures this year which wouldn't feel that way based on his inability to, you know, finish the play and get a sack right now. But those type of things can come through and it could come against a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields that holds the ball a little bit longer than uh, most quarterbacks. So I like Lorenzo Carter as a pickup this week. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, with a mobile quarterback, it just kind of lends the ball to a little bit more opportunity to uh, reach the quarterback. Cause uh, as you said, he's leading the league, uh, one of the league leaders in pressures right now. So, uh, hopefully he can maybe convert that uh, on a rollout from Justin Fields. And this Chicago offense is actually starting to get some, uh, make some headway and make things happen this year. So, you know, it's also just when, whenever the offense is successful and playing all over the field, it just adds more opportunity for the defense to really uh, get in there and make things happen. Exactly. Chicago has been so impressive this year. I to my son yeah. for a second. We'll be all good. That, but. No problem at all, my man. Father always uh, comes first. Oh, yeah. Uh, give me what you got on Josh Sweat. I'm going to see if I can tame the beast here. Yeah, of course. And first off, good evening to you, too, Marco. Always good to have you in the streams. I want to talk about Josh Sweat here. So this was somebody that we were very excited about in the beginning of the year. And honestly, he got a very good opportunity once Derek Monat went down. And kind of spotty production. I think we were all a little bit disappointed for a bit. He wasn't getting a sack. He went from week four to week seven. Or sorry, week four to week nine without getting a sack after getting, you know, two and a half in the first three games. But then he got home this past week against Washington. He had three tackles, which isn't a high number, but it's okay. I think he could do it against Indianapolis this week. And again, just because the the Raiders didn't do last week doesn't mean I'm going away from the process of chasing defensive linemen who get heavy snaps and heavy pressures like Josh Sweat does against the Colts this week. I'm still going to chase those de- those offensive tackles and the production that they're going to allow. So I like Josh Sweat as somebody that he's not available in every single league, but he is still available in a lot because of how hot cold he has been. So I think we're going to get more of a hot uh, more of a hot this week than the cold. 
Uh, we also have some breaking news. Just before the show started, Dallas Goddard was listed with a uh, shoulder injury and is expected to miss time. Now Cooper Cup is listed with a high ankle sprain. He is having surgery tomorrow. He is going on the injured reserve. So that will sideline the Rams receiver for the next four weeks at minimum. On a side note, which Rob is going to be touching on when we get to the wide receiver and tight end portions. So if you had Goddard and Cooper Cup, which I'm sure many of you do, those replacements we're going to be talking about very shortly. So be sure to stick around, check out, skip on through if you need to. All right. Any uh, any other thoughts for Josh Sweat? Do you want to move on to a number three name, uh, Axton? Go for it. Let's get on to Peyton Turner. Saints, uh, with Pete Warner being out, uh, seems like they're kind of going to rotate their linebackers. Uh, Peyton Turner uh, was one. He grabbed sack and a few tackles for a solid day against the Rams this last week. Uh, He's had a tackle for a loss in two out of three games and four more tackles in each of those games. So uh, just kind of seems like he's going to be in there uh, more often than not and be able to uh, reap the benefits of that uh, open position while uh, while Pete Warner is sidelined. Yeah, I, I think he's really. I mean, it, it's he's definitely been a disappointment since the draft in the first round. It's kind of, kind is of. He, is he combo? I know he may not directly be taking Pete Warner. I could be incorrect there. I think I, I think he's more of an edge than uh, than Pete Warner. Right. I think Caden Ellis, who we we brought up on the show last week, Caden Ellis, who we'll talk about we'll talk about with the linebackers, um, as the pickup for Pete Warner. But uh, I I think it's a good play. Peyton, uh, Peyton Turner this week against his Rams offensive line and Rams offense has really struggled all year long. And I could see Malcolm Roach is an interesting name. He saw his mo- highest snap share of the season. He's another defensive end for that uh, for that Saints defensive line. And he he got home this past weekend. I think it could be Peyton Turner this time. He's usually the guy that gets more snaps. I'm willing to willing to stick it around one more week with him as a as a streamer type of thing. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you saved me there because I totally read your <laughs> notes incorrectly there. So no, all for- good. All that. good. We're on the topic of Pete Warner, we're gonna get to linebacker anyway. Uh, let, let, let's uh, let's jump right over to that. The meat of the position, as I always say, um, and as well as if you're if you're watching live right now, obviously if you're watching this afterwards, you're enjoying this lovely content so far. And obviously, be sure to be checking out our twitters and YouTube, as I mentioned at the top. Uh, but if you're watching live, be sure to drop any questions you may have in the chat. If you have offensive, defensive, waiver our questions, we'll get to it accordingly. And we just want to help you guys win your fantasy championship. So we will keep on plowing on through with the linebacker position. Last week, we talked about Sion Takitaki. who was on bye. And then, or two weeks ago, talked about him. He was on bye. He came back, 10 tackles in the TFL. He's running right alongside Deion Jones. We'll see how they work when JOK comes back. We talked about Blake Martinez last year, who abruptly retired the next day. We're going to be talking about that Raider situation shortly. Uh, we're talking about Jalen Smith, who got 41 snaps. He had five tackles, a QB hit, a fumble recovery. Decent day. He got the work, at least. And uh, what's it? And uh, Tay Crowder has been totally phased out of this uh, system. He only played three three or four snaps this past week. So it should be Jalen Brown and Micah McFadden the rest of the way. We had a, we mentioned Aziz Al-Shair, who wasn't really going to play much in his first game back. So maybe it's more of a stash going forward. He got a lot more run because... Dre Greenlaw was ejected halfway through the game. He got three tackles on 31 snaps. Pretty, pretty minimum usage and not sure how much he'll factor until Dre Green- Greenlaw is, unless Greenlaw misses time. We're talking about Derek Barnes. Shire might be one that we just kind of have to wait and see on. I, I yeah. was asking, I asked Leo on Twitter kind of what he thought about uh, Al Shire coming back. And he's, he thinks he's going to kind of take a backseat so long as Greenlaw is healthy and in there playing most of the snaps. That doesn't mean he won't get any time in there and get to play because he's been very efficient with how he's been or with uh, playing in in the past. Uh, but, again, you know, just kind of referring back to last week, it might be worth a stash in case he does see uh, an uptick in, in, in snaps. So, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Of course, of course, no. It's 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 important because we know what he can do. And when we talked about it a couple weeks ago, was you know we talked about him having a hundred tackle season. You know he's done this before. Mm-hmm. We were very familiar with him. So uh, another name we brought up was Derek Barnes, the Detroit linebacker. He only got two tackles and forty two snaps. Really disappointing, um, especially with Malcolm Rodriguez out. So hopefully he gets back on track going forward. But just disappointing day for Derek Barnes and a day where the uh, the Bears did whatever they wanted against him. Uh, we brought up Kane Ellis, who I mentioned before, as that Pete Warner replacement. We were deciding between him and um, and Zach Bond. I on the show last week we said Kane Ellis. He hit. He had seven tackles, a sack, a TFL, 
QB hit if you award that, plus a forced fumble. Good day all around as long as Pete Warner is out. Kane Ellis should be in. So, let's get into the pickups for this week. We mentioned at the I mentioned at the top of the linebackers segment the Raiders situation. And just a quick rundown. Two weeks ago, Devon Diablo got hurt a couple snaps into this game. He was left the game with a forearm injury, was placed on the injured reserve last week. They have Denzel Perriman, who is a normal starter for them, but he got hurt midweek last week and missed the game. Blake Martinez was the starter last week and then came into practice and was like, wow, I was so bad. I'm going to retire and abruptly retired on Thursday of last week. So this is a very bare bones Raiders linebacker group. We are down to a Diablo on the IR. We are down to Denzel Perriman, who missed this past week with injury. And Luke Masterson and Jayon Brown, both of which had good weeks, especially Luke Masterson, who missed some time with uh, with an injury in that mid-game and returned and continued to play on through. I am interested in both as long as Perriman is out. I have no idea the severity of Perriman's injury. It's been completely kept under wraps, and that is makes it difficult. But in the meantime, I'm still interested in Jayon Brown as a near-must pickup. He played every single snap. He was clearly ahead of... Luke Masterson in this past game. Diablo is still out until week 14 regardless. They face Denver, Seattle, and the Chargers. Denver's a man matchup. Seattle's a good matchup. The Chargers are a great matchup. All those games, uh, all those games, Diablo is guaranteed to be out. Jalen Brown had eight tackles, fun recovery on 65 snaps. I'm willing to pick him up everywhere if you didn't get him last week. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, it kind of seems like Jalen Brown's really going to take uh, take charge here over Luke Masterson. And, uh Whenever, yeah, whenever Diablo does come back, I would imagine Masterson probably takes a bigger hit. Uh, uh, on to our next guy. You put up Monty Rice, a uh, linebacker for Tennessee Titans. Uh, he outsnapped Dylan Cole this week, I assume. Uh, in or it's a Zach Cunningham injury, right? That's that's causing. Yeah, Cunningham was placed uh, on the injury reserve. I, I I don't know if he's going to come back this year. At the very least, he's going to be out for a few more weeks. Right, and I, honestly, as far as fantasy goes, losing Cunningham, God forbid, we don't want anybody to be injured. Uh, but as far as fantasy production goes for this Tennessee defense, I think you're probably looking a little bit better with uh, with Monty Rice rather than even as that Cunningham or uh, your Dylan Cole. So uh, next week, he's got Green Bay, who's kind of been up and down. Uh, they, they had a pretty successful week this last week, but... Uh, it's definitely an advantageous matchup for uh, for a linebacker coming into fill uh, in to make an make an impact. You know, coming to make some plays. Yeah, it's gonna be difficult to. I put it down here, and I don't feel good put it down here, but you know, because him and Dylan Cole have been Dylan Cole has been playing ahead of him the last few weeks, and all of a sudden that switch flipped this past time. And obviously, the Titans Titans defense played very well this past week. Um, in very difficult situations where they were missing a lot of people, even more than they used to. You know, no, no Jeffrey Simmons this past week. No Amani Hooker. No, Kale uh, Farley got hurt. It was it, they were losing a lot of people. So, I, I I was impressed by Monty Rice. I think that their coaching staff showed some faith in him. Um, and listen, whether it'll come or not, I I I do think he's worth chasing this late in the season if you are searching for those linebackers. And on that subject, Tyrell Dodson of the Buffalo Bills is the next name I want to be bringing up. Tremaine Edmonds, unfortunately, got left the game with a groin injury. He was limited all week with a groin injury heading into it, so it could be a re-aggravation that could lead to a longer-term absence. We don't have more information at this time, but it is something that we do want to be tracking because that Bills linebacker is a very valuable role. So in the past, we saw Terrell Bernard fill that. This past week, Bernard didn't play in terms of he was kept on the sideline for Tyrell Dodson. And it really comes down to a matchup proof type of thing. If Tyrell Dodson is going to be getting every single snap that Tremaine Edmonds is not, I'm picking him up and playing him. It's plain, plain and simple. Tyrell Dodson is almost a must play. And he's, and he's available in every single league because he's a backup right now. So that's a name that you should be chasing on your wires this week. As a, at the very least, a one-week play should Tremaine Edmonds miss. Obviously, if Edmonds plays, you can't play Dodson. But you know, with a re- any re-aggravation injury, I expect it to be at least a one week, uh, one week minimum on the sideline. Yep. Uh, this, like you said, uh, buff, this Buffalo defense is pretty high powered, and you, you really like to uh, go after their replacements over any other 
uh, over middling defenses and, and things like that, just uh, lending better to tons of opportunity. So definitely worth a definitely worth a pickup in, uh, in this defense that's going to see a lot of action. So let's hit him with the DBs. <laughs> let's do just that. And I do see your question in the chat there. Uh, Marco about Gino Stone. Honestly, we'll answer it right at the top of the defensive back segment. Let's just go right into that. Why not? Uh, so he's asking right now, as we head into defensive backs, should he hold on to Gino Stone? This is the Raven safety we were talking about, filling in for Marcus Williams, really. He's logged 100% snaps in the last three weeks. He was always been really a near every down player in his absence. Uh, and six tackles or more in the last in three of the last four games. Obviously, a total dud this past week against the Saints. Um, well, not this past week, but two weeks ago, I'm willing to hold him as long as Marcus Williams is out there. I think he's a fine start as a guy who's getting six tackles almost every single week. And while that didn't happen against the Saints, because I think Geno Stones has that volatility, we talked about that when we mentioned him initially as a waiver wire pickup, a guy that has coverage skills, so he's dropping deep. So you're getting these six tackle games, and they're great, but one to two tackle floors are, are very real for him. So I, I, he has Carolina coming up, and I do like that matchup as a opportunity for him to get a turnover for him to make a few plays i'm willing to play juno stone at least one more week especially as long as Marcus williams is sidelined oh i think you're muted or i, I can't hear you Axton. yeah you hit the nail right on the head uh he's been a serviceable, serviceable replacement and i think it's worth holding on to for one more week we're not just going to totally count him out for for one more dud especially uh with the likely explanation for uh maybe the lack in production so uh might hold out on uh, hold on to him for one more week if, if he's not going to give you much more production than that I, doesn't marcus williams come back in a short couple of weeks or so or is he done for the remainder of the season honestly i i had to double check that i'll i'll, I'll check that as a if you want to grab one of the names on the list i'll, I'll fact check the uh, marcus williams is expected to return um i'm not exactly sure when that will happen either way i do know that Gino stone has been very impressive in that in this stint that he's played, obviously Marcus Williams will be the guy when he comes back. They paid him to be, and he is that good of a player. Um, John Harbaugh expects Williams to be back next month while they're pushing for that playoffs. That was a report as of November 12th. So we're at the very least, maybe he's back for playoffs. And either way, we're trying to get to playoffs right now. So still uh, still plenty of runtime for Geno Stones, in my opinion. I agree. I agree entirely. All right, let's uh, let's jump on over to the defensive backs then on a general sense. Last week, we talked about – I brought up Kareem Jackson as somebody that was filling in for that just the last minute standing of these Denver safeties. He had five tackles in the past defense, kind of a middling day, okay day. I uh, brought up Dane Belton as the Xavier McKinney pickup, four tackles, interception, pass deflection, really nice interception as well by Dane Belton. Um, and he's going to play deep just like McKinney does. So these – you know, he saved that day kind of with that interception. And, you know, sometimes those floor, his floor is four tackles and stat sheet, you know, so he could have, or his floor could even be three tackles. So you just play it with the ear. He has some good weeks and some good weeks will be ahead of him. Uh, Kirby Joseph, we mentioned who had seven tackles as well as five solo. He had a good week himself and he is playing that every down role. He has played very well for this Lions team. And Eric Rowe, we brought up in Miami, he only had one tackle and 50 snaps. I am now taking the, I don't care about the Miami safety situation, and I refuse to play the guessing game. I don't know if anybody else can hear you, but I can't. <laughs> we got some technical difficulties, but uh, that's okay. Well, I think my... I'll kind of take it until I can figure out his stuff here. I think oh, uh, I, I, I think we're back here. We think we're back. Okay. Um, yeah, this, you were this... talking about being out on all the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I am talking about not not being willing to play that roulette wheel. And uh, welcome, Sebastian, to the chat. I do see that question about Mike Williams. Let's get to that right after the defensive back segment right at the top. Um, but let's get into that. So we mentioned who we talked about last week. Let's talk about who we're talking about this week. PJ Williams. Is something I am incredibly excited about for this week. And he filled in incredibly well last week for Marcus May. As long as Marcus May is out, he suffered an, an abdomen injury last week. I believe it was in practice. PJ Williams should be in your lineup. He's played 100% of snaps. We talked about the absence of Pete Warner last week, obviously. And we talked about it before with Caden Ellis when I mentioned him last week, if you picked up either. But 
it increases the need to drop a safety in because backup linebackers are not the greatest players anyway. So you have some range there with either Tyron Matthew or PJ Williams. And PJ Williams is the guy that got that role. He had a lot of tackles with last week. Excuse me, a whopping 11 tackles. And he faces the Rams. And I'm going to mention it every single time I mention the Rams. The Rams have been nothing but unimpressive this year. You take Cooper Cup away from it too, and all of a sudden it's a totally this is a bad offense. It was a bad, it might have been a bad offense with Cooper Cup. Now you take away Cooper Cup. And I'm I'm just not I'm not willing to play that game right now. So it, it's I I like PJ Williams as a almost must start. Um as long as you know, as long as Marcus May is not in. Yeah, absolutely. And this Rams offense is really just kind of falling apart, it seems like. I know Stafford is still dealing with his injury that's kind of been week to week and with Cooper Cup out it's just there's going to be plenty of opportunity for for these defensive backs to uh to get in there and make things happen and take advantage of of some mistakes uh up next we had uh on here for Dallas Cowboys safety uh we've brought him up in the past Okay. Uh, yeah, Carolina. Yeah, you, you think of uh, excuse me. There's another one. Mm-hmm. No, you're good. You're yeah, good. yeah. Sorry about that. We didn't have it labeled here. That's my fault. Uh, Carolina. Anyways, uh, we brought him up in the past. He's somebody that's kind of been serviceable. He's uh, managed to create himself a decent tackle floor, uh, getting five, seven, eight tackle weeks uh, throughout the year so far. Uh, he's still widely available in, in a lot of your leagues and still going to remain a ser- uh, serviceable fill-in uh, to get you through these weeks, uh, try to get you th- uh, through into the playoffs. Who do they yeah. play? The Carolina Panthers. The Panthers, oh, God, we just said before, right? It was uh, the uh, – we talked about Geno Stone. So they played the Ravens this week. Um, and if you know anything about the Ravens, they can stay on the field offensively. And honestly, there haven't been too many chunk plays allowed. So what that means is longer time possession, which means more tackle opportunities for Xavier Woods. Um, it's just not a team that's ripping off 70-yard plays right now because of the lack of playmakers they have um, as receivers. So I like Xavier Woods as well this week. Uh, another name I'll throw out there on the same level of that Saints thing. Paulson Adebo has been so bad this year, so good for fantasy, and I, I'm willing to chase that to the bank because he's being targeted like crazy. He gets tackles like crazy. This past week wasn't exactly that for the tackle floor but in the past week it has been and again i mentioned same thing with pj williams he faces the rams this week in terms of paulson odebo this is the rams that can't move the ball are turning the ball over and honestly it's going i think stafford's going to really struggle this week i think stafford's going to be i i think you can play the saints defense if you're playing a dst this week so I, I, I think Paulson Debo could be a really strong play this week. Somebody that's going to get plenty of tackles as the Rams play catch-up, and I'm, I'm all in on it. Yeah, yeah, you pretty well hit it. Um, this this uh, Rams offense is really just – it's really struggling. So this, and, and it's kind of funny how, how fantasy IDP works whenever you have a bad defender who is, in terms of – technical football and actually playing his position is off is terrible at it can actually prove to be worthy uh fantasy wise just for the simple fact as you mentioned that uh bad players tend to get targeted a lot so the guys that are involved in all the high value plays and if they can luck out and, and you know wrap up some some shoestring tackles or get a couple of deflections here or there can really uh yield fantasy value so uh, kind of like an Alex Singleton, you know, <laughs> just because he he's mainly involved in a ton of the plays and he's just kind of there, you know, he just kind of lucks into production. Uh, now that's obviously changed uh, with everything that's been going on, but just another example. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Singleton's actually an interesting name. And honestly, I could have brought it up with a linebacker. Weird switch in Denver this week for anybody that was tracking it. Obviously, Josie Jewell got the snaps, but that linebacker two role that has been dominated by Jonas Griffith this year. Alex Singleton now snapped him this past week and filled up the stat sheet regardless. He had like eight tackles on 50% of snaps, which for all we betters out there that had the over-under of nine and a half that we felt confident on, it was a weird week to see the switch. We got a little bit sweating there. Uh, but uh, listen, he got a lot of work, and honestly, if he is on your wire as well, if he's going to have that linebacker two role at the tackle rate that Alex Singleton gets, he could be very valuable as well. We didn't mention him because he's more higher-owned and typically he's rostered, but he's someone to keep an eye out. Just in case. Now, let's get into those defensive questions. We have a few from the chat. We have to answer the Geno Stone one. We have another one from Marco. 
And as well, obviously, if you are in the chat, feel free to drop them in. Uh, do you think Jack Sanborn was a fluke last week? So we brought him up on the show two weeks ago, I guess now, right when the Roquan Smith trade happened, as well as if you checked out on Twitter when we mentioned it. I don't. I do not. Because it makes sense for this Bears team that has been probably the most vocal in the NFL about playing for the future, right, of trading Roquan away, of being willing to, you know, just lose games, honestly. Um, but Jack Sanborn's this rookie. He's a fourth-round rookie. It makes sense to get your rookies involved when you're in a losing season. And getting rid of a veteran, why would you put A.J. Klein in, another veteran, over Jack Sanborn? It doesn't make sense. So I think Jack Sanborn's going to continue to get this work. He's going to continue to get as many snaps as he can handle. And honestly, he played incredibly well this past week. And 12 tackles, two for a loss, two sacks, two QB hits. Like, I mean, it, it the stat sheet genuinely, and it doesn't always do this, but the stat sheet backs a very impressive player right now. And Jack Sanborn's playing well as addition to filling, up, uh, filling it up for fantasy. So I, I am all in on Jack Sanborn. I think he's... Uh, a very good play rest of the season. I'm 100% with you. Uh, Nick Morrow has been the has had the green dot for the Bears defense. And uh, just the last few weeks, he's had six tackles, four tackles, five tackles, five tackles. I mean, and really nothing else on the stat sheet. And Sanborn's come in the last couple of weeks and mustered up 19 tackles in that time uh, while also getting to the quarterback and grabbing a sack. Uh, to me, I don't, I don't see it as a fluke at all. As a matter of fact, I'd much, I'd almost rather have him than even Nicholas Morrow at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And honestly, we could see a total shakeup in the offseason. But again, still a rookie guy who's impressing. And I'll add this as well: he had an interception this past week that was just called back on a unrelated hands to the face that was not him. Could have had an even bigger day. So I, I'm, I'm all in on on Jackson Sanborn at least for the rest of the season for redraft purposes. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's uh, let's jump on over to the offensive side as well as obviously this is the IDP guys waiver wire show. If you guys have offensive defensive questions, still drop them in the chat. We'll be trying to get to it because obviously we're going to talk about offense now. Grant obviously put in here that he lost Cooper Cup and Zacharis. He has no idea how he's going to fill those holes. Well, that's what we're here for, Grant. We're here to help you. We're here to fill the holes. And obviously a lot of people, not just Ertz, they also lost Dallas Goddard. So. Those replacements we're going to be talking about very shortly. Let's jump into the quarterbacks first. So, last week we talked about Jared Goff, who had himself a nice little shootout type of day. I'm not sure. If, did Jamal Williams steal almost every touchdown? Because Amon Ra got himself one. I think Jared Goff I, got it done on the uh, yardage day, if I'm correct, right? I want to say Swift got it in the end zone. But, oh, as far as, like, receiving touchdowns go. Right. Jared Goff uh, finished. I don't think uh, had any. Yeah, Jared Goff got himself one passing touchdown, 236 passing yards. Disappointing day. I think we were all expecting a little bit more, especially in a day that we knew they were going to put up points. They put up 31. They just couldn't get it done for fantasy. And honestly, this is now several weeks of Jared Goff not really getting it done. He's had one fantasy-relevant week since week four, and now they don't have TJ Hawkinson. It might be time to kind of put uh, Jared Goff to bed for fantasy streaming, at least until we have – a juicy mat, an incredibly juicy matchup, or Jameson Williams comes back and revives all of that. Uh, next, uh, we also we also have Jimmy Garoppolo, who did not throw a touchdown, which was very disappointing. But he did move to ten and two when he doesn't throw a touchdown because he is that game manager king. I don't know if we we have ever seen or will ever seen a better game managing quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Just perfectly mid accent, perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly mid like all things should be you know so um but yeah this way we're gonna try to have a little bit more of an explosive a little bit more explosive do you want to do you want to kick us off with either of these names uh yeah uh i'll go ahead and mention marcus mariota he's been he's been a guy that's kind of been a service a serviceable quarterback kind of probably been sitting on your waiver wire for most if not all this year uh goes up against chicago in week 11 i think uh he should have a great opportunity to continue doing what he's doing. He's he's really uh, racking up most of his points on on the ground with his with his legs, getting plenty of rushing attempts and plenty of yardage, finding the end zone, and he'll even throw for a pass or, or a touchdown pass or two here here and there. So uh, he's really been averaging right around like a smooth 15, 17 points a game. Nothing nothing too flashy, but uh, definitely 
uh, wouldn't complain having that for a bye week fill at the quarterback position. Yep, completely agree. Another name I'll throw out there, Davis Mills. Oh boy, here we go. Uh, so this is definitely more of a QB two play. Because you talk about super flex, you talk about QB. You know, you got star two quarterbacks, or maybe you know, a quarterback has been that bad for you this year. Maybe you've been banking on Stafford, and everyone else is rostered. And I am not playing Stafford without Cooper Cup. Period. I don't care about the matchup, and I would play Davis Mills over Matt Stafford this week. This is Davis Mills who faces the Washington secondary, who has been brutally bad this year. I understand that they just shocked the world and beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football, which won't lie, felt felt good. Felt good. I like seeing that. I, I, I like seeing an undefeated team fall. Um, but, I mean, Jalen Hurts still had a good fantasy day, and it wasn't just because of his rushing line. And, honestly, he had a few deep plays that just got coughed up. You know, that, that fumble and the deep throw that Jalen Hurts made is a completely different game if – that drive ends up in the touchdown, different day for fantasy. And I think Davis Mills can take advantage of that. He's had a quietly up. I mean, it's a very up and down season for Davis Mills, as we kind of would have expected. But he does have two 300-yard games in two of the last four weeks. He's thrown a touchdown in every game, uh, in all but two games this year. And two touchdowns or more in two of those four games as well. So in uh, the last four weeks. And, you know, he's had some tough matchups with Philly and the Giants in those in that mix, mix too. Now he faces Washington. It's a much nicer matchup. He has Brandy Cooks back. He has Nico Collins back. He has Phil Dorsett. This is as healthy as the Texans' offense has been this year. Davis Mills could be a quiet back-end QB1 this week, at the very least a top-15 play. And I, 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 he's obviously going to be ranked much way outside of that this week. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, I mean, he actually impressed me with his performance against Philadelphia. I think it was a week or two ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, where he threw for a, for a touchdown or two and really kind of helped give them a run for their money. Uh, but yeah, going up against this Washington defense, I would um, I would tend to call uh, last night kind of a fluke. I wouldn't expect the Commanders defense to come out and show out like that every every week moving forward because uh, they've been pretty well mistake prone up to this point in the season. So uh, Davis Mills could be a sneaky play this week. Yeah, I don't know if you caught it in that game, but. Jameen Davis was wearing the green dot, not Cameron Curl, which was a surprising development. I, I got a notification of that. Right. Yeah, I thought that was surprising. Yeah, on a, on a side note there. But uh, those, those are our quarterback pickups. Let's move on to the running back, the, I guess, meat of the offensive position. Um, although it's a little bit more thin like baloney in the last few weeks. But uh, listen, we had hits last week, at least. Jeff Wilson in his trade to Miami. We talked about him potentially even taking over this backfield. And he kind of did just that, 119 yards and a tutty this past week. And I brought up, which somewhat proud about, and he was probably roster, so it doesn't really matter. I talked about the RB2 role in San Francisco last week. And I brought up TDP because I, if Elijah Mitchell missed, and Elijah Mitchell, uh, we, 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 me and Brandon talked about on the show last week about Elijah Mitchell, if he's active, might be a sneaky type of guy and shouldn't be on the waiver wire because of how San Fran runs it. And we saw this past week that they split carries for no freaking reason, but that's how San Fran does it. They, Chris McCaffrey didn't get every single touch. They split it with Elijah Mitchell. And honestly, we talked about that with Elijah Mitchell, who had 18 touches, eight, nine yards last week. But let's get into this week. I'm going to start off with three names that are, I'm, they're probably rostering your leagues, but they're incredibly important to me that you have them. So make sure they are not on the wire. That is Rashad White of Tampa Bay, who showed out this week, took the job from Leonard Fournette, who suffered a hip pointer. They are on bye this week. Fournette's expected to be okay. But also simultaneously, the Bucks expect to give uh, give Rashad White the job for the, at least the rest of the way, and he's earned that right now. So Rashad White is definitely a must own. Gus Edwards, who is all these players are above fifty percent, uh, he is going to be facing Carolina this week. He should be the starter. I don't think it'll be Kenny Drake. I think it'll be Gus Edwards, and I would be playing him this week. So he definitely shouldn't be on your wire as well as Brian Robinson, who got 26 carries last night as Washington ran the ball, ran the ball, and then thought about it and then ran the ball some more. So all those names are above 50% owned, which is why we're not going to be talking about them in depth, but all those names that we wanted to uh, want to bring up. Welcome to the chat, Ben Hartley. We see that question we're going to get to at the end of, uh, at the, end of the offensive segment, so we are going to get to that, um, as well as your question, Mar- um, as well as your question, Sebastian, from before. All right. Running backs, though, Axton, which uh, did you have any thoughts on the names I just rattled off? Because I just threw a lot of stuff at everybody. 
Uh, I've kind of been interested in Pacheco since he's been taking that lead role from Clyde Edwards Hilaire the last few weeks. Yeah, he hasn't really produced a whole lot until this last, till this most recent week. I don't recall exactly what he had uh, stat-wise, but I know it was significantly better than uh, than prior weeks and uh, on top of more touches. Uh, the only concern here is just McKinnon's consistent you know, consistent usage in this offense is going to kind of limit uh, what Pacheco is going to do and, and how quickly he might develop. I think he's just kind of going to be like a slow burn. I think he might be someone that just takes a little bit, a little bit longer to really uh, gain some traction. Not even sure if he gains that traction by the end of the year, but definitely somebody that's getting the volume that you like to see. Somebody you, who's getting the touches, the usage, and just has the opportunity. You you want you want all the opportunity. You want the guy who's who's going to have the ball in his hands. And this Chiefs Chiefs offense really likes when once they get down inside the ten yard line, they like to try to punch it in. You know they they like to throw those those trick plays from the backfield and and try to catch the defense sleeping. So uh, I, I really just I really like Pacheco's. I've kind of liked his outlook since even uh, the combine where he led all running backs with that. Uh, 40 time. He's just been. He's kind of somebody I'm, I'm more looking forward to uh, for the future. But somebody that you should that you could consider rostering. The Chiefs running backs for the first time this season. We feel like we got some clarity this week, where it was a near even split. Of Pacheco got his highest snap share of the season by far, 56. percent He was currently his highest prior to that was like 30, and it was a very even split with him and Jared McKinnon who saw 38. percent And McKinnon now has seen two weeks in a row of eight plus target or eight targets exactly eight targets two weeks in a row nothing on the ground because that's pacheco 16 carries this week got it done on the ground five yards per carry he was very good this past week and they faced the chargers we have mentioned the chiefs every single week and every single week it feels like we are one week off and i think this is it this is a chargers defense that just lost christian covington's lost uh uh excuse me the other uh the, their rookie who got her auto uh auto, uh, excuse me odd Otito Agbona, as well as they cut Jerry Tillery last week. This is a terrible Chargers run defense. And I think Pacheco is an early down guy in what should be a favorable game script. Can't actually get it done this week. CH is phased out. I think they phased him out. I think it's done. So I think Pacheco is the early down guy. I think McKinnon is the receiving guy. And he, uh, McKinnon has been doing it despite game script. But I think I'll play Pacheco with some confidence this week dare i say some confidence so, yeah i agree I, I do like that matchup with uh, against the chargers they're really struggling with everett going down this week and you got keenan allen so uh has hit, is still dealing with his injury and mike williams is now out for several weeks they really are they're digging deep into that wide receiver core i don't imagine that they're not going to be on the uh they're not going to have the ball near as much in this game if the chiefs can get up early that just means more trash time touches for isaiah pacheco on that topic of bringing him up as well, Mike Williams, just because it's a nice little segue on Sebastian asking before, do we think Mike Williams plays this week? I do think he returns to practice this week. I don't think he plays this week. I think it's going to be um, a, a tough ask for him to do it on, on, on this week. And I, I, I think we can aim for a week 12 return. And I think that kind of lines up with him not being on the IR and it kind of being a three-week thing instead of a four-week thing. Um I don't think they're going to rush him back, given his history. So I do think he returns next week. Any uh, any disagreement with that? No, I mean, you kind of see on the same team with Keenan Allen. He's kind of been someone that they've hinted at playing about every week. You know, he practices in some form or fashion. Mm. So I don't see why they would want to rush Mike Williams back and put him in the same, you know, essentially could be in the same position as like Keenan Allen, where you rush him back too early, then the rest of the season, he's just kind of dealing with this lingering injury. So... Uh, I think they probably play it safe this week, and if he's just returns to practice this week, I would imagine that they're going to give him the week off and probably try to get him to return next week for week twelve. Nobody's accused the Chargers doctors of being geniuses, to be honest, but that what we that's what we would expect. Uh, the last running back we want to be talking about uh, is Keontae Ingram. So we had a surprise cut yesterday. Eno Benjamin of the Arizona Cardinals found himself released mid afternoon on Monday. And that shapes up the RB2 role to be Keontae Ingram, who got some run this past week as well, uh, back up to James Conner. James Conner has missed a lot of time in his career. Keontae Ingram is the rookie. This is very much looking like a lost season for the Cardinals, and I, I think they like Keontae Ingram based on the usage we've seen in situations that we wouldn't expect to see him. 
it's indicative that the team wants to see what they have in their rookie. And at the very least, when running back is as bare as it is, I think you could pick him up. Maybe he has a 1B role that you are interested in, like Chase Edmonds of years past even. And if he doesn't, he's a high he's a high value handcuff to a very injury-prone running back. So I think Keontae Ingram is somebody that's available in almost every single league right now that shouldn't be. And PA, well worth the stash, especially this late in the season. Yeah, I mean, James Conner's missed more games than he's played this year. And the fact that they were, I was honestly a little shocked to see to see Benjamin get cut so abruptly just because of the amount of usage that they oh, that yeah. they gave him while uh, James Conner was, was out. But at the same time, kind of like what you mentioned, they were giving County Ingram the touches and they liked what they saw with the, t- uh, you know, when they sprinkled him in there. So that just, to me, that just kind of solidifies their confidence in the rookie. So definitely, definitely yep. worth a stash, especially when we got what six plus weeks left of the season. Definitely plenty of time uh, for him to get in there and, and uh, have a chance to to get some touches. Absolutely, yeah. And it's 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 the type of thing that we mentioned with Jack Sanborn before. It just makes sense with teams that are struggling. So good time to mention as well right now. Uh, be sure to keep on dropping questions. I see a lot of them in the chat as well. We're going to get to them at the end of the offensive segments. We're going to go wide receivers, tight ends. We're going to answer every question that you guys got after that, offense or defense. Starting off with the offense because we talked about the defense before, but obviously we are the IDP guys. We're here to answer your IDP questions. So keep dropping them in the chat. We're obviously seeing them right now. So let's move on to the wide receiver position. Last week. Talk about Philip Dorsett, if Cookson or Nico missed. Honestly, neither did, so kind of a minimal role. Uh, I brought up Jarvis Landry, somebody I was actually sneakily excited about. Very somewhat, honestly, genuinely disappointed and three catches on six targets for 37 yards. I thought he would get at least five catches against that Steelers team, but no such luck for the Saints. But on the same level, I was confidently saying Zay Jones, who I've been quietly happy about all year long, and he got it done, 10 targets. He's been seeing a lot of targets this year. Eight catches for 68 yards. He's the type of guy that I think we're going to be talking about in the offseason as we're going to go back and look at the leaders and categories, and we're going to see him being very high in a lot of them. And nobody, yeah, he's going to be nobody's, – Yeah. He's seeing like eight targets right. a week. Yeah. Nobody's going to see it coming, but you're right. Yeah. At the end of the season – Yeah, he is. He's getting like a, at least a six or eight target minimum every, every game. Uh, yep. Even guys like Evan Ingram and Kirk are kind of – I think it's been pretty reliable, but, but yeah, they've been up and down. He's been pretty well the the one staple piece of this offense. Not that's been really taking advantage of all of his opportunities, but he's he's been serviceable. He's definitely yeah. definitely you could do worse. You could do far worse, and he's he just be... hasn't scored. Yeah, he just hasn't scored. Mm-hmm. So he's establishing that six to eight to ten point floor, but he's not getting the mm-hmm. touchdowns, and nobody nobody cares. Um, right. because people are chasing the higher ones. But uh, he he's been quietly productive this year, especially in PPR formats. So I can't wait to clip this for later. Uh, but we mentioned, obviously, Cooper Cup being out this past week. Uh, quick talk on the Rams here. Allen Robinson is still 62, 62% rostered in Yahoo League, so he's probably not available. But I do expect him to be the wide receiver one in lieu of this. I expect Van Jefferson to also have a pretty sizable role. I would want to be rostering both. Van Jefferson probably more available right now in your leagues. That said... Cooper Cup's absence is catastrophic for everybody. This is a Rams team that can't move the ball and hasn't been able to score touchdowns and haven't been able to stay on the field. Moving, losing Cooper Cup doesn't solve any of those issues. In fact, I'd say it hurts them. So I, you might get a higher floor for guys like Van Jefferson, Allen Robinson, guys that really haven't had floors this season. And Van Jefferson obviously being hurt for most of it. But I, I'm still not that excited. Losing Cooper Cup does not help this the rest of the guys in this room wide receiver is very different than running back in that way yeah it definitely doesn't mean that uh he's going to come in and take that cooper cup role i don't imagine he might see a similar kind of target share but i don't imagine that he's really going to produce anything like what what you would expect uh out of cup anyways i think van jefferson could be quietly more productive than al robinson in this but either way i want to be picking up both and and uh and seeing how it works out. But let's uh, let's get into this one. The biggest name of the week. The biggest name of... Not biggest name of Sunday. One of the biggest names of Sunday. Christian Watson. Rookie out of North Dakota State. Announced himself in a major way. He immediately went out there. Dropped a deep touchdown. And then decided, hey, 
after doing it all season long, he's not going to do it anymore and lit up every single aspect of the secondary there in Dallas. He had three touchdowns. He was clearly the alpha in this team, the 40% target type of guy. And they've wanted him to be this. They want him to be what they wanted Marquez Valdez Scantling to be was the deep threat that actually has some reliability to him. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out, so color me somewhat skeptical. But while Romeo Dubs is or while Romeo Dubs is out, and while Randall Cobb is out, and while this team needs somebody to step up, Christian Watson's doing that. And they want him to do that. So he's gonna get every opportunity to do so. Christian Watson should probably be one of the hottest waiver wire names this week for offense and for good reason. He could genuinely be a league winner this year. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been kind of disappointed because I coming out of the draft and and or uh after the combine and the draft, I was, mm. I was particularly excited about his opportunity. You know, I didn't expect him to come out and just kill a bear all year long and just be but I mean it just being in this offense with the situation that he was coming into just lended well to a great opportunity. Uh, so I was kind of excited about him uh, beginning the season. Then he's just kind of had this injury that's been lingering and lingering. And I, I think it's probably affected him more than we, a lot of us want to believe. Uh, but it really showed this last week where I think it might, he might've had a, a point where it, he seems like he's feeling better. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not definitely not affecting him near as much because he's essentially, you know, hopped into the same role and just taken on more targets this last week. So, uh, definitely going to want to grab him this week. If you don't, he's not going to be there next week. That's for sure. Yep. 84% snaps. That's the season high eight targets. That's the season high four catches, which is a season high four catches on eight targets. Isn't honestly that great, but getting 107 yards on those four catches is, and it's three touchdowns on it as well. But to add some uh, add some juice to the argument as well, Tennessee this next week, which is a top-tier matchup. A um, couple tough ones after that, but then playoffs, he has the Rams, Miami, and Minnesota. And if you play in Week 18, you can add Detroit to that list. So those are all top-half matchups for Christian Watson to take advantage of, and really could lead could lead you to a, uh, to a fantasy championship this year. And somebody that I expect to get it he'll still have a role even when Romeo Dubs come back I feel fairly confident about that that they do not want Sammy Watkins on the field so uh Christian Watson number one number one wide receiver pickup for this week by far probably the number one offensive pickup as well um you're not wrong and this Green Bay offense although it's been kind of mediocre all year it seemed like they got they really gained some traction last week they were really looking a lot better than they had uh leading up to that point so uh, you can only hope that things kind of trend in a similar direction. And if that's the case, I, I would imagine he's going to be heavily involved. Yep. They're a uh, 13 that plays much better at home as well. Uh, Paris Campbell is this next name. Now, anybody that's followed me knows that I've been on the Paris Campbell train for months, oh, years, yeah. one would say. Um, <laughs> and in one of my leagues, I'm sad to report that I did actually trade him when I desperately needed a quarterback and I traded from Jimmy Garoppolo in week five. However, in my other leagues, we are rejoicing. This is a proud reminder that Paris Campbell is a good wide receiver. And if anybody as well, it pays to not just follow us on this amazing show, but follow our Twitters where I put out Paris Campbell uh, truth all summer long and then it takes eight weeks to formulate. But um, Paris Campbell has been the story of your calls this year. It feels that way. (laughs) Travis Etienne. Another one we're going to hit. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) <laughs> all my all my all my guys took eight weeks except for Chase Evans, who just took never. Um, but whatever. Paris Campbell, 39 targets the last five weeks. He's at 29 catches on those 39. 39 targets in five weeks is an insane number. He has 261 yards and three touchdowns in that span. Michael Pittman has his role, Paris Campbell has his. And right now, Alec Pierce is on the sideline. That's two Alec, uh two Paris Campbell in the two wide receiver sets. Matt Ryan is good for Paris Campbell. And Paris Campbell, my whole argument over the summer was that he doesn't need 39 targets to do it. And we saw it this past week. He took one catch, 40 yards to the house. You know, he's getting the volume as well. I hit my own light for that. But, like, <laughs> if he's getting the volume, which is great, but he doesn't even need it to be fantasy viable because he can mm-hmm. do it on one play because he is a big play threat. So, Paris Campbell, it's happening. It's real. He's a good player, and I buy it. How do you feel about him with uh, – or Michael Pittman now that – 
Campbell's really come on the last four or five weeks. He's kind of that's kind of been where Pittman's really taken a dip. He hasn't Alphas, really been worthy of a start even the last four or five weeks. They are they are both alphas and they will both be fine eventually. Michael Pittman. I I, I think the problem is right now is that there's just not enough volume for, to go around. And also Sam Ellinger was a death knell to everything in this team. Um, in fact, we just got tweeted out that. Uh, the new Colts play caller, Parks Fraser, t- changed 10% of the game plan when they would decide to go with Matt Ryan over Sam Ellinger. Ryan told them before the game, call it like you see it, and we're going to make you right. Call it like you see it, threw it to Paris Campbell. I, I do think Michael Pittman's going to have a-, a strong second half of the year as long as Matt Ryan is out there, which honestly, you know, he should be. Over That's his Ellinger, favorite target so. for sure, no doubt. It's yeah. just encouraged. I like seeing Paris Campbell getting these double-digit targets. Oh, yeah. On a weekly basis. Uh, Last one we got on this list. Yeah, it does. It does. It feels good to finally hit on all these, doesn't it? It's all finally coming to fruition. Go on. (laughs) Give us our last last name, our last wide receiver. (laughs) Uh, Michael Gallup, uh, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver. Uh, He's kind of been disappointed. We kind of were hoping for a little bit more at him uh, since he returned from injury, but – uh, he plays the Vikings this week. He's got a good opportunity to uh, to get back on track. He's always out there. He's always running his routes. Uh, he's yet to crack the, even the 50-yard receiving mark. Uh, but we're kind of hoping he gets back to form in this good matchup this week. Uh, the Dallas offense has been running on all cylinders as of late. So uh, I don't see why Michael Gallup couldn't take a decent chunk of cd lamb's share especially from last week and still have plenty to you know for everybody else to get their fantasy relevant numbers as well so uh could be a sneaky pickup yeah he ran around 88 percent of his time 88 percent of his snaps last week which is a very high number he saw seven targets off of it he's seen uh six or more targets three of the last four weeks they just haven't really resulted in uh, catches. He has some drop issues when he was coming back, and he's coming off a big injury. You know, I, I do think it's fair to give him some time to come back from that. And Minnesota, I really expect that to be a sh- complete shootout. I'm not sure what the over under is right now off the top of my head, but I do expect both teams, uh, both offenses, show up in it. Let's uh, let's jump over to the tight ends. Obviously, very important week for the tight ends. We had Dallas Goddard go down now without to expect to miss several weeks with a shoulder injury. We have Zach Ertz now done for the year, and we have a any number of disappointments as well. Um, Darren Waller got put on our Yeah, Waller's after the year. That's right. Yep, that's a good one. And um, uh, someone else as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I already said Zach Ertz. But um, last week, we mentioned Cole Komet. Accident. Put him on the dock. And I was like, you got to talk about him because Cole Komet is your guy, Mike. And I've been on Cole Komet's train all year long, and I thought it might have been too good to be true. This past week, but I'm in. I'm in. Cole Komet. I'm. Ho- I hope you picked him up last week. I was still. I was. I. I. I am so happy this is happening because I think Cole Komet is a good tight end. I've loved Justin Fields, and I've been waiting for this to happen for freaking eight weeks of the freaking season. Mm-hmm. But he's, he came he's out of it. nowhere, he's man. It. He's got didn't do much touchdowns. of anything all year, and then bam, four touchdowns in two weeks, and he suddenly Justin Fields. Favorite red zone target. I think it's possible that Chase it. Chase Claypool existing unlocked Cole Komet somehow. Hey, um, yeah. Ever since he got, it's ever since they traded for him, things have really been rolling. I think it, they kind of had some momentum when they picked him up or when they uh, signed him. And then, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just his presence out there, um, you know, keeps defenses honest. Because you know, beforehand, I was concerned all year long about like how are they, how how is this offense going to produce anything whenever. All the defense has to do is just kind of keep an extra eye on Mooney and who they're not really, they don't have a whole lot else to throw to. But just having another talented wide receiver out there to, uh, you know, you, you can't double team Chase Claypool because Mooney is talented enough to take those targets and you can't double them. So just keep, yep. again, keeping keeping defenses honest. I think just the presence out there is just making that much of a difference. It's wild to see. The Bears have figured it out. And the other name uh, brought up last week, Kate Auden. Disappointing. He actually outsnapped Cambrade in Cambrade's return. I was hoping Cambrade would miss another week, but can't you know Auden still play ahead of him, but only resulted in a few targets, a few catches, didn't get it done for fantasy. A little bit disappointing, but that rapport is building, and I think he's still a very good dynasty stash going forward. Um, and before we get into the names for this week, uh, we have three names I want to throw out there. 
uh, last week we brought up Greg or two weeks ago we brought up Greg Dolchich and disappointing week obviously only one catch on 11 targets I am still very in on Greg Dolchich when you could check out my rankings uh, do the tight end rankings for the IDP guys I'll it'll be up at the on the site later tonight if you're uh, if you're a subscriber which if you're not what are you, what are you doing let's be honest but uh he had 71 of 80 snaps he took 40 of them in line he took 25 slot snaps and six out wide he had 40 routes on 49 of Russ's dropbacks. That is primo usage. I am still going to be riding Greg Dolchich to the moon despite his poor performance, especially with Judy potentially missing time. I think uh, Greg Dolchich is I'm, – I'm still totally on board with this. I just want to throw that out there before we get into these names. Foster Moreau, name number one. I think that was actually – I think you actually put that name down, Axel, so I'll, I'll let mm-hmm. you take that one away. Hey, yeah, no problem. Uh, with Darren Waller out for, uh, is, is he done for the season or is it short term? I, I want to say that I thought I, I let's say the uh, short term. Let's say the Raiders are done for the season as a team, which means Darren Waller yeah, will probably exactly. be done for the season with his team. Likely, most likely. Which could be the same uh, yeah, for uh, as well. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, Foster Morrow is coming in replacement of Darren Waller. This last week he saw three catches, or he saw four targets, caught three of those, even found the end zone. Uh, I don't know how I feel about a week to week, you know, reliability of him, but it's, if you need a streaming, if you need a streamer for the week, uh, your top tight end is out. Or, I mean, honestly, he might be, uh, if there's nothing else out there as far as tight ends and you actually need to start for the rest of the season, say you did lose, you know, Darren Waller and Foster Morrow is going to be, he's going to be more involved. Isn't Hunter Renfro also on IR? Yes, he is. So I think, you know, maybe he is a good streamer for the remainder of the season. I would imagine that uh, he should see a healthy amount of targets, especially with those two. Uh, that's, that's a good 12 targets a game. That's got to go somewhere. Devontae Adams, is he might get 20 in one game, but the next game he might not. <laughs> so yep. that's kind of how we're seeing this Raiders offense run right now is just kind of just whoever's, whoever's kind of got, got that hot hand. A lot of time, more often than not, it's probably going to be Devontae Adams, but – uh, Foster Morrow is definitely going to be going to be seeing a healthy amount of targets moving forward. So uh, I definitely like him for a streaming option. Yep, couldn't agree more. Another name I want to throw out there: Hayden Hurst, who is available in fifty-two percent of Yahoo leagues. He's established kind of a good flow with Jamar Chase being out. Uh, he's had six receptions, five receptions, four receptions in the last three weeks. And while the Steelers have been fairly uh, string uh, stingy against the tight end position this year. I am not that concerned. I think there's a team that's going to be slumbering into next week, and I don't think that they're going to be able to stop it, especially with Mick Fitzpatrick potentially missing more time with the appendicitis issue. I think that Hayden Hurst could have a strong week this week, at the very least have a good floor. And in addition to that, he has Tennessee and KC right after. So I'm willing to play Hayden Hurst in both those matchups, whether Jamar Chase is back or not. Jamar Chase is still on crutches, so I don't even expect him to be back anytime soon. So... I'm willing to play him this week as a low-end tight end one play, and I'm willing to play him as a top eight tight end play the next two weeks after that. So somebody that is, is the type of preemptive pickup that makes sense is the one that you want to be a little bit ahead of for this week, in my opinion. Yeah, and a high-powered offense, missing a top playmaker. He's definitely got more uh, better chance to, to grab a few more balls, especially against uh, some defenses that are really allowing a lot uh, of production to really about – every offense i know the chiefs for example were uh among the bottom half of the league in just about every category when it comes to allowing uh fantasy points to quarterbacks tight ends running backs uh wide receivers they were top 15 on every single one of those lists so uh and i'm sure i believe tennessee was on a number of those as well i couldn't recall off the top of my head if the how they were yeah. against tight ends but not not uh, great not great right exactly <laughs> so you're looking at bob likely to uh bottom 15 uh defenses after and the steelers are right there with them too so definitely a good uh, s- uh slate of games they got coming up in the schedule so uh hearst could be uh definitely a good streamer in that time our last tight end we got is rookie trey mcbride but zach Ertz, uh injured not sure the extent Done for the year. Done for the year. Okay, Trey McBride, this is exactly kind of what they drafted him for, you know, with Ertz getting up there in age. They needed a young tight end to come in and 
and uh, make some plays and be good filling and you know just in case of uh retirement in the future injuries you know whatever the case may be with an aging tight end jerry mcbride's going to get his chance so uh this last week he saw 69 percent route participation with uh zach Ertz down uh 27 routes run on 87 percent of the snaps uh so the strong snap share you love to see that i know hollywood's coming back so a limits upside a little bit uh, but the tight end position in this offense seems to be very valuable. All year long, Zach Ertz has put up uh, reliable numbers at the tight end position. Trey McBride is arguably just as talented. I would imagine that he's probably going to ultimately pivot those targets over to uh, Trey McBride. And it, I, don't, I would imagine that's pretty well going to be it. It's going to be a pretty smooth transition, I would imagine. They do. They love their tight ends in Arizona. Yeah, and I, I'll say this. I am somewhat worried for the next two weeks for him because he just has really tough matchups. San Fran, nice. is, you know, always a perennial, uh, uh, what's it called? Perennial, perennially very good against the tight end. They've done it again this year as well as the Chargers this year have been uh, good because Derwin James has been healthy and Derwin James locks down tight ends. Um, but after the bye, after the Week 13 bye, the once you get into the fantasy championships, New England that's a top 10 matchup. You have Denver, which is a top 20 matchup. Tampa, top 12, uh, and Atlanta after that, which is another top 10 matchup. The usage is there. We see how rookies blossom after bye week. So maybe we're just early to this with Trey McBride. And you don't need to stash him in normal tight end formats. But in tight end premium, I don't mind picking him up. Or at the very least, being prepared for the slow start and a meteoric rise type of thing. Because I, I do think he's a name that we're going to be bringing up and again in a few weeks. Um, just because I don't think his ownership is going to be as high as it should be when he gets into the juicier matchups. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, the strong matchups do kind of... Uh make you hesitate a little bit so if at all cost you can avoid a start with him uh we'll just kind of like you said wait for wait for that slow burn to kind of really pick up here and maybe in the next few weeks so uh just kind of pick him up and hold tight onto him and he might could prove reliable for you uh play off time in fantasy yes sir let's get into the offensive questions as well as defensive questions as well so if you're in the chat right now keep dropping them in as well as if you're listening afterwards be sure to keep tuning in because these are the questions that you're probably asking because we're coming from other people live people in the chat uh so at the top let's see what we have already answered what we haven't so let's start with the defensive questions even though i have an offensive banners on there uh from ben hartley Short benches, I'm guessing, not just beaches, and only two injured reserve spots. It is dynasty. Does he drop Brandon Jones for Andre Sisco? Andre Sisco being the Jaguars' safety. Brandon Jones obviously being the Miami injured safety currently. Um, I feel like I would want to know who else is on your IR spot if you can just put Brandon Jones on that. Um, but if you're still around to give us that context, but let's just say in a vacuum, if you were dropping Brandon Jones or Andre Sisco, what are you thinking there, Axon? Oh, I don't know. They're kind of putting up just from taking a quick glance at stats and snaps and stuff. They're pretty well producing pretty similarly. I know you mentioned earlier that you're hands off all Miami defensive backs. Uh, so I wouldn't be opposed to going with an Andre Cisco. Jaguars defense has been very... Uh, very good uh, you know this season surprisingly enough they've been very solid and very effective uh so i wouldn't be opposed to uh dropping brandon jones and grabbing andre cisco I'd, I'd probably hold on to brandon jones myself just because he's they're both young guys and i i do expect miami to splurge and i expect the jaguars to splurge on this defense both could be very different next year man I'm very hands-off with Miami's secondary with Brandon Jones out because we have been playing a roulette of Eric Rowe and everybody else in that backfield or in that secondary. So, so you, you know what? I, on maybe that you can rely yeah. on in this defense. I do expect both these guys to be challenged next year by starters. I don't think Cisco is walking into the job next year uncontested. I don't think Brandon Jones goes into the year next year contested. But I do think Brandon Jones is a better player slightly. So I think I lean Brandon Jones, but they're both very close. I don't... I think we're splitting hairs right now. If you need somebody to play, mm -hmm. obviously Cisco gets the uh, yeah. the edge there. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I would kind of tend to agree. Uh, you see Brandon Jones as maybe a better talent. Uh, maybe it might not be a bad idea to kind of hold on to him. Uh, just because like, like we talked about, you're, you're kind of splitting hairs here. They're both similar, similarly producing uh, defensive backs. So uh, may not give up on on uh, Brandon Jones just, right, just quite yet. Yes, sir. We have another question here. Um, coming in here from Premium 
I don't know if it's UTA or UTA. By the way, respect the 2K18 uh, YouTube logo. Um, he said he just lost Cooper Cup. I apologize. And someone listed Austin Eckler for trade. Any thoughts? Also, I could send Cup away. So, this is obviously, he also said uh, my team is mega stacked, so he wants to get rid of him. Um, that is just me. Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Deshaun Watson, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, Rondell Moore, and Debo, and Dalton Schultz. My goodness, what a lineup you got there. Um, I mean, I'm assuming this is Dynasty, because obviously if he's in redraft, then you are probably not able to trade him because he is out for four to six weeks and we only have six to eight weeks left in the season max um so it doesn't look like you need Eckler let's be honest here I mean Eckler is great but you have you're not benching Henry not benching Saquon you're not benching Jacobs anytime soon so I've been trying to flip looking at if I could flip cup for something I'd be flipping for receivers and trying to get younger in dynasty right now but you've probably missed your sell window to be completely honest um you're selling him probably at your lowest point. His value is guaranteed to rise over the offseason and over the next few weeks, even if the small chance of him coming back. So, I mean, I I probably would be holding Cooper Cup myself, but what do you think? I agree. That's exactly kind of where I was going. Was if you're looking to trade Cup and you're that stacked, I'm not I'm not trying to get rid of Cup at, at absolute bottom uh, value. You know, he, he's you wait, hold it out this offseason. Yes, it's going to be a long offseason, but when you get that first week and he picks up right where he left off, you're going to be glad that you can get full value out of him. Yes, sir. And uh, even if he doesn't, you can sell it on the concept of him just coming back. It's not like an ACL. It's something he should easily recover from with facts. Yeah. Eight this months this offseason, you can make a good argument to sell. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, Another question here from Dr. Clutch. Would you trade Chris Godwin for Chris Olave and Rashad White in a PPR format? Yes. Yes, I would. I think Chris Olave has been very close to producing exactly what Chris Godwin is producing, if not outproducing him. I think we can honestly say more often than not. Um, and Rashad yeah. White is taking over right now. And Chris Olave has a juicy end of your schedule. He has one matchup outside of the top 20. Um, most of which are in the top 10. So Chris Olave to the moon, Rashad White to the moon, Chris Godwin, and stay on earth. Yeah, if you're getting both Olave and Rashad White for Chris Godwin, that's quite that's quite an offer. I'd smash and don't turn back. Yeah, and I think this is one of the rare ones that works for both redraft as well as dynasty. Of If you get Olave for, and Rashad White for Chris Godwin right now, do it. Redraft, dynasty, keeper, don't matter. I, I, would, uh, I would definitely do that, Dr. Clutch. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. I appreciate everyone for tuning in as well as all the questions this week. Super fun as always. So thank you guys for checking this out. IDP guys, wait for show week 11 here. We're going to be going on to week 12 next week, next Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Central, right? Math, math. Yeah, there you go. Actually, you're giving that nod right there that you can't see yep. on the, uh, yeah, thank you. I always, uh, I always mess up my time zones, but be sure to be checking out the IDP guys on Twitter at IDP guys. You can check out ourselves at me, uh, me at Michael underscore underscore Scully. Follow Axon at Harding underscore three. It's where, listen, we talk about waiver wire shows on Tuesday. As we saw last week, Blake Martinez retires on a Wednesday. We're not hopping on another show. So check out our Twitters. We're putting out info like just like that. We were like, Jay on Brown, pick him up. Luke Masterson, pick him up. So be sure to be checking out our Twitters as well as the IDP guys. That's where all the amazing stuff comes out. And make sure you're subscribed on YouTube as well as checking out Apple Podcasts, where all of our stuff goes to anyway. Depends on how you want to ingest your medium. It's we're here for you. So thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back next week. Good luck on your waivers. Good luck on your Week 11 matchups. Trade deadline's coming up. Play it safe. Let us know if you have any questions. Have a good one.